Hey, what's happening? Monday, September 13th, 2021, about 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Hope you guys had a nice weekend. I was going to try to do a show Friday, but again, I was traveling, and um, traveling kind of always sucks, but it's the one place where everyone's pretending to wear a mask really well. And government workers are pretending to enforce it. I went to a number of things recently where there are big signs up and warnings. And it's really just all about who's going to be a tryhard, as my kid says, right? The people that are have the masks sealed to their skin and their face and they're wearing eye covering and seeing a lot less face shields and more masks down below noses, even... Even the maskophytes are, I think, a bit sick of it. They'll tell you different on social media, but they're they're done. Everybody's done. I saw that 75% of eligible Americans have at least one vaccine shot. So we're pretty much at that magic 70% the White House told us was going to take care of everything. And I think when the numbers finally start bottoming out, as we know from the data, it's going to be not only because of vaccines, but probably more so, or just as equally helpful as... Um, natural immunity. We're going to focus today, I'm going to shift gears, but it was interesting just seeing that at airports and walking around and wearing my useless cloth mask and having it down below my nose the entire flight. Sorry, I got to breathe. I'm tired of my glasses fogging up. It's funny with the mask on, all kinds of hot air comes out everywhere when I'm exhaling to include my own breath impeding my vision which has to be more dangerous for people than my vaccinated ass exhaling around them. And, of course, the airport, we're all close and on top of each other, so everyone's kind of laughing, too. You know, if you fly southwest, you have to line up, you know, A1 through 30, A31 through 60, and so on and so forth. And if you're a lazy ass and don't even want to spend the 15 bucks on early bird, you're familiar with the numbers such as C1 or C20 or something. Um good for you. We need you guys, the ones that are coming on late trying to jam your bag in. (laughs) I've been there. But um, it was just funny. People are done. There's no, I mean, there's no commitment to it. It's a a completely useless activity. Um, But pretty, I would say a somewhat, I don't know, subtle news weekend. We got a big day tomorrow in California is the recall. Um, We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Secretary of State Blinken today testifying in the hearings that have started about the Afghanistan debacle. I'm going to look up, I I have notes here and saw a little bit on a story out of Washington State that will drive you insane regarding a 9-11 tribute. And of course, again, like I mentioned, we'll talk about the recall and get into some details about that and then look at some other news if time permits. So one fun article I stumbled across, and this is why I, you know, if you hate CNN, you don't have to look at it. I'll do it for you. I'll bite that bullet. Uh, and it's regarding the recall, or at least they try to dress it up um, in the recall, but it's really a Trump article, right? So they, it's in the same section of CNN politics, which is left-wing politics. And the title is, Trump is showing just how divisive a new White House run would be. So I, I do think Trump is going to run. He has an entire campaign already named Save America, which I really like. 
and just nine months into the Biden administration, plus you add COVID, America does need saving, uh, economically and culturally. There's no doubt. And Trump won the first go-round, and I believe he probably had more votes in the states that mattered the second go-round, but we got to get past that. Trump ran on really a culture that was defined by America first. Now, of course, when anyone wants to tell you that's racist or xenophobic, America first doesn't mean America only. So Trump Trump ran on it. I think it's a great campaign, and Save America is going to be strong if he runs again, and he will be the nominee. I mean, I don't know who's even going to... Honestly, he might run unopposed. There'll be some really small, meek voices that will jump on the ticket to raise some money and try, but I don't know if there would even be a debate worth Trump attending. He'll be so strong running again, and we'll know, I mean, I would say 8 to 12 months. I think we'll know what next year getting into the midterms. I think part of what he can do to help Republicans is if he goes out there and says he's running and that's popular, then he can help Republicans on the midterm election tickets. But I'm mentioning all this because Stephen Collison, resident boob at CNN, one of their analyses people, just the picture of him, I mean, just think about a pasty dude who looks bitter, uncomfortable, I would say more constipated, and he updated it at 1 a.m. this morning. This is something that people were forced to read if they woke up and accidentally stumbled upon CNN.com. And it's, it's you know, one of those only Donald Trump knows whether he will mount a run for the White House in 2024. Okay, only. Only Donald Trump, sure. But it's already clear what such a campaign would look like. It would be built on a lie that he was cheated out of office and would relentlessly politicize and monetize America's ideological social, and racial divides. Listen, Stephen, then he's doing what the left has done for 40 years plus, is politicizing and monetizing ideological, social, and racial divides. I mean, those divisions are founded in the modern liberal in the United States. They're the ones that divide us up, want to make sure, in the name of diversity and social justice, that we all know how different we are. That's what the Democrats have been doing. They're always segregationalists. They always had been. They just changed how they did it. And then it morphed now into essentially white people do deserve nothing and anything they accomplish is based on privilege. They deny that's what it means, but that's what it means. And so now you have the beginning of Stephen Collison and the left-wing brigade coming out and they're going to define or try their best to define the Trump campaign, just like they did in 2016. COVID really defined it in 2020. I think from any further analysis, I don't know if the 2020 election can provide value. I, I don't. It, it's just the, the game board was a complete, bizarre um, anomaly. Statistically, you know, and if you look at all of the factors that have ever been present when an incumbent won, Trump nailed, I think, like 90 plus percent of them, right? Like certain states when an incumbent wins or Republican wins, then they win those two or three states, one of them being Ohio, then they always win. I mean, Trump nailed all those, but quote, unquote, still lost the election. Not going to go down that road right now, but 
yeah, his campaign is going to be run on a little bit of that. And the perfect line here is, you know, I think in Cullison, these are the guys you want to read because he's going to tell you what the entire drive-by media, the AP, all of these guys are going to um, cram down our throats and say to mobilize, right, to mobilize the left and to mobilize the media. Because in this article, Cullison refers to Trump as a twice impeached president. So that's the big one, right? So if he runs again, every time there's a, a few seconds to intro a story about Donald Trump, we will hear twice impeached and we will hear that he incited an insurrection. Right, without any conviction, without any investigation officially claiming that, to include the one that they're pushing so hard, the January 6th hearings, the press right, is going to lay a verdict on Trump as an insurrectionist. So that will be what we have to deal with. So prepare yourself. If it irritates you, it's going to be a rough, gosh, 18 months or around, you know, at least over a year from when he declares that he's running, you better get used to hearing every intro, every press person imaginable is going to analyze him and assume guilt, which is ridiculous about our insurrection. I mean, they're trying to get these phone calls and they're not, they're, if they get them, they're not going to find anything. Now they'll try to make something out of whatever they get. It's a desperate Hail Mary they have no idea what Trump and McCarthy talked about or Lindsey Graham or any of these guys. But there were riots at the Capitol building, and I imagine Trump would call people that have offices at the Capitol building. Other Republicans. What do you think he said to Kevin McCarthy? You know, do you got the zip ties? Is everybody armed? Is everybody following the plan? I mean, what, what kind of crap is that? But it's going to be... Um, it's going to be interesting. I want to prepare you for that. Stephen Collison, CNN, he's getting started. If Trump runs, we're going to go after him, right? And, you know, um, the only reason he won in 2016 is he writes here, tapped into a seam of discontent with the economy. Uh, yeah, there was discontent with the economy. And a sense that the Washington establishment was ignoring millions of people. We're being reminded of what the Washington establishment is. If we want to look at any benefit of Joe Biden being president, is that it's a great reminder of what the establishment does, how they don't listen, how out of touch they are. After rain and uh, floods and hurricanes, the establishment comes out and talks about a $3.5 stimulus package and global warming. So yeah, they're out of touch. Yeah, the establishment is roaring back. And yeah, the establishment is coming together to try to save Gavin Newsom. We'll talk about that in a second. But right here, already... What looks like a new attempt by Trump to reclaim the White House is shaping up as an even more sinister affair, not least because a twice impeached president who already incited an insurrection and tried to subvert U.S. democracy to stay in office would be seeking to regain the awesome powers of the president. Stephen, because of the guy that you dragged across the finish line, Trump has a hell of a shot. Because if you think there was discontent in 2016... Imagine in a couple years what there will be. 
if inflation continues what to do what it's doing with gas prices the way they are, with a extremely slow build back, not better as Biden wants to call it, extremely slow build back from the pandemic, when we're supposed to add 750 million jobs or 750,000 jobs in a quarter, and we only get about 250,000 jobs. That's a problem, right? Those, those statistics demonstrate a disastrously negative effect on the average American. And those are the people the Democrats still need to show up for him. They're not going to show up for Biden. He's not going to be running again. I don't see Kamala standing a chance against Trump. And Trump is better this time around than he was the first two times, even in 2016, but especially in 2020, because my one criticism, if I haven't shared it, of Trump and his campaign was that he didn't focus on his accomplishments, didn't remind the American people enough what he did, even if it was before the pandemic, then drawing that into what he would do during and after the pandemic. He wasn't strong enough on that. He got pulled into the COVID, you didn't do enough, didn't have enough masks fight, and he went to war with everybody. I think that didn't help him at the polls. Whereas Biden was able to play the dignified unifier. And there are enough stupid people in this country to have believed that. And now we see a guy that's not able or interested in unifying anyone. And they're, the, the left is, is freaking out. They're, I mean, think about it. You can take all the nightmares they've had to deal with. And this includes George Bush. This includes George Bush, who wanted to draw an analogy, had to, because he's a statist now. He had to draw an analogy between the Islamo-fascist terrorists and domestic extremism, meaning the January 6th attack, right? This is, the, this is a big thing now for the establishment, which George Bush and anyone who really was in his cabinet is part of. They're part of the establishment. I mean, his dad was president. His dad was director of the CIA. It doesn't get more establishment than the Bush family. And those people hate Trump worse than the Clintons, maybe, because they took it away from Jeb. Trump did. Trump's team. Good. Thank goodness. I mean, but Jeb wasn't ready. God, he complete meltdown. Terrible performance. And so here we are now with the establishment roaring back with at least another year and change, a year and a half of power, if you count Congress. And Trump is tiptoeing back in. He's releasing statements, calling out Biden. And I'm glad he is. I'm glad he's not pulling the Bush thing when Obama was stepping on himself and being the elder statesman guy that wasn't saying anything, was not part of any obvious criticism of the early Obama administration. And really, you weren't allowed to in the first four years of Obama was president. If you did criticize anything he did, you were racist. That dude had a freebie for four years. And then he had the media for the rest of the way, the entire time, protecting him and holding him up and asking him questions like, how are you doing in a press conference about running for office and being president of the United States? Look that one up. It's as pathetic as it gets. But we can, we can see the reshaping of 9-11. We can see what the left wants to do in reshaping everything, the economy, our culture. Trump is one of a few chances we have to put a severe stop to what wokeism is doing and the damage it's not only doing, but what it really can do long-term. And 
we'll jump into an example from last week. You know, and I didn't mention it Thursday. We we're a couple days away, but we had our 20th anniversary, obviously, of the 9-11 attacks. And I did see a nice tone on social media, on the Internet, people stepping back and um, just commemorating those who lost. You saw a lot of ceremonies. One in particular, I believe, with all the left wing, Biden and everyone, black and white Getty image. I think Biden went to the Pentagon. Um and Obama was there, Clinton was there, everybody in masks. You know, it's such a weird picture to see all of these people, a handful there, former presidents, formerly the most powerful men in the world, 20 years after we were attacked at one of the sites where we were attacked at a memorial, and they look like they've totally surrendered with masks on. And we did, not just about a week ago, surrender in a way and leave Afghanistan. Would we have could we couldn't have imagined 20, 10, five years ago that we would not be there and give it back to the Taliban? It was just a weird image, black and white, to see all of these people, all these Democrats, former presidents and first ladies, with their faces covered in a mask at a 9-11 memorial at the 20th anniversary. It was it was an uncomfortable image. And it's a bit depressing. And it was good that it was black and white. It doesn't do anything for me in a somber way of remembrance. It makes me sick to see how far we've fallen in 20 years and how weak we, ha- we are. And it was almost deliberate, really. And if you look at Obama globalism, I think people like him are okay with this. They don't like the United States being the world's greatest superpower. So being out of Afghanistan and starting to share an image with the world that we're not the top dog is okay with Barack. Not sure if he foresaw how powerful China would get during the Bush and the Obama administration, which is when they really came roaring back and are now a somewhat close number two to the United States and gaining in ways that should make us very uncomfortable. But culturally, we're totally screwed. You see all these nice remembrances, these memorials, these nice statements, people interviewing children who never met their parents who died in the 9-11 attacks. And then you read a story out of Washington State. Washington School bans students 9-11 tribute for being racially insensitive. (laughs) This has been updated. Right now it's about 245 Pacific. This was updated just a little over an hour ago. East Lake High School students were told that red, white, and blue may be seen by some students as racially insensitive. We've seen this already with the American, with the United States flag, our flag, being criticized as being a sign of oppression, imperialism, racism from the lunatics on the left. Now you have an entire school agreeing. <laughs> The Eastlake High School Wolfpack in Washington, it doesn't say what city here, banning wearing red, white, and blue. Students at a Washington State high school football game, not Washington State University, so a Washington State high school football game, were banned from wearing red, white, and blue. So it wasn't even discouraged. They were banned from wearing those colors in honor of 9-11 victims because of some finding it racially insensitive. 
The students at Eastlake High School in Sammamish, Sammamish, Washington, said they were told at the last minute they couldn't come to Friday night's game in the patriotic colors, according to KTTH Radio. They, meaning the school, had explained that red, white, and blue was going to be seen as racially insensitive and may affect people in a way that we will not understand. They love saying stuff like that, not just to teenagers, to all of us. You don't understand the damage you're doing. But trust us, we are smarter than you. This is not in the article, of course. This is what they're thinking. Trust us, we're smarter than you. We know better. And we're going to make the decision for you. Like a vaccine. You don't know any better. You don't know enough to deny it. We're going to mandate it. This is the opposite. We're going to ban something because although you think it's patriotic, supportive, and a good thing, you just don't know any better, kids. So don't wear it because a few people might be offended. The students had been promoting the event on social media, calling on attendees to, quote, dress in your USA best. And at the last minute, the left-wing, academic, hipster, loser leftists who have probably been in academia ever since they were students and never had any kind of other job or any kind of other real experience in life overruled these kids who probably worked real hard to come together on this, had plans to make a great showing for something that they weren't alive to experience. Good for them. Good for Eastlake High School. Screw you, teachers and faculty. Because I don't see any teachers stepping up and aligning with these kids. It'd be nice to see some courage from some adults in this. In an email sent to parents... Principal Chris Beatty, B-E-D-E, and Associate Principal Darcy Brainert blamed the move on teachers and insisted the reasoning had been explained to the students. Our leadership teachers made the decision and explained it to the students. I know tomorrow is 9-11. This is Beatty again, the principal. I know tomorrow is 9-11 and understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents, but I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. Let's get something straight. 9-11 was an attack by Islamists, by men who were Muslim, who did it for reasons they interpreted from their religion. And that is taught from their interpretation of Islam, the Wahhabi interpretation, which is rapidly growing and has been since before 9-11. So it's not just some minority view. The average Joe in Saudi Arabia aligns with these dudes who flew planes into the towers and into the Pentagon and crashed one thanks to the bravery of everyone on Flight 93. That's why when these attacks happen, you see thousands of people cheering in the streets. And I hate to say it, there's one thing very common amongst all those thousands and millions who are cheering, some publicly, many privately. They're Muslim. That's a fact. That's a fact. If you don't like that, I can't help you. So we know the greatest global threat today on 9-11-2001 and before all of my lifetime, the greatest global terrorist threat has always been that of Islamic terrorism. I'm sorry if you're Muslim. Of course, you probably don't believe that or believe what they believe. And Christians do bad things in the name of Christianity. There are bad people that do bad things for religious reasons, have been since the beginning of time. In our modern era, whether you go to Africa, Boko Haram, the Middle East, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, ISIS, 
Persia, Iran, Palestine, Hezbollah, got Hamas. You go to Eastern Europe with the Chechen rebels who blew up orphans, Muslim. It's a bad run right now for that religion. You can't tell me it's not. So if you have people in Sammamish, Washington, children that are bothered by red, white, and blue because they think it might offend Muslim people or they're Muslim and they're bothered by it, well, I'm sorry. And I want to know, how bothered by it are you? Right? Because I don't know what's going on with the Patriot Act, dickheads. But are you so bothered by it that you might be online following some things you shouldn't? Because right now, our Justice Department is worried about white dudes out in the woods training to be in a militia who don't want anything to do with anybody, bad people. And they're so worried about Islamophobia or being xenophobic that they can't touch somebody once we know they're Muslim, even though they might not be up to any good. And now we have this crap, this cultural nonsense. And kids are being canceled who are trying to memorialize something that they probably don't totally understand. I don't know how you can totally understand it if you don't have a memory of that day. But with all the information, the videos, watching it must just be surreal for somebody the first time they see it as somebody who might not even be 12 or 13 and it hurts and it was a major attack and then they talk to their parents their teachers people about it, and hopefully understand all the great things we did afterwards and how the country came together and then they build this great sense of pride in that unification after 9-11 and then probably look at the adults now and go what the hell's going on why can't we talk about it? Why is everything 9-11 Islamophobic? And even on 9-11, 2021, 20 years later, they get canceled. What, what an embarrassment. So what it looks like is there are some teacher leaders amongst the student groups, right? Chaperone people, advisors, who couldn't stay out of the way, who were so eaten up by their extreme leftism, by their socialist angle or communist or whatever they probably are up there in Washington, and so anti-American and probably teach in their classroom that there's no such thing as American exceptionalism. Oh, there is. You're listening to one right now. I am an American exceptionalist. We've had bad days, but many more good ones. And the world is better because we are exceptional and when we are. And these teachers do not believe it because they were taught by some other idiot teacher who was taught by an ignorant idiot teacher before, all of which have a lineage in only academia, have no real life experience, are bitter, lonely, unhappy, probably really heavy, and have to ruin everything for the kids they teach because they're so damned entitled and they love the power. And this was a big power play. This was nothing more than narcissists who couldn't get past, past their own ignorance on one of the most important days in these kids' lives and all of our lives as Americans. Our leadership teachers made this decision and explained it to the students. I hope some of these students stepped up and argued. There's nothing you can do when you're a student at a school, at a public school or otherwise, right? You're a serf. You're so worried, God love you, for getting grades good enough to get into college. You don't want any of these teachers leveraging their power over you the next time they grade a paper, which the teachers who made this decision would. There are so many thousands of evil teachers at the high school level and above who leverage their power against students they disagree with. You hear calls all the time on the radio 
with conservative kids calling in from college afraid to be honest at all in any kind of case paper where they make a case and argue it. And they talk about getting graded C and below because they know what they wrote and how they supported it goes against the political and cultural beliefs of the professor. The school did not elaborate specifically on what offense could be caused. And one student said, so they're basically not, they don't know, the, school does, the school's freaking out here, right? And this is, this is on the principal because you're the leader. And I can't imagine when these, when these moron teacher leaders canceled things and said, hey, we got to cancel this red, white, and blue because we don't want to offend anybody, that some of these kids and parents didn't go to the principal. They had to or the vice principal. And that was a chance for one of those two individuals to step up and put down those teachers and say, listen, do your job, your advisors. This is 9-11. It's the 20th anniversary And you're not only ruining it for these kids, you're ruining it for our fans and for the players. And you're saying they can't wear red, white, and blue? And of course, the teacher now, or the school, the principal doesn't want to elaborate specifically on what offense could be caused. Yeah, they're not going to say it, but it's where we've gone. We're 180 because of the term Islamophobia and because some bad things happen to people who follow Islam after 9-11 that anything commemorating 9-11 or talking about the word terrorist, that was, member I talked about it in Virginia. They're not supposed to use that word anymore. Now we're in a world where we can't even talk about the event and can't even wear our country's colors because it's going to offend somebody who might be Muslim. It's not. This is like Black Lives Matter. Most of the people offended, crying, laying down in the street, breaking into malls, damaging cars, are white liberals. This is Washington State. These were offended teachers, white liberals, the saviors of us. And they're much smarter. Because remember, they said it's something these kids would not understand. How dare they? The condescending attitude of teachers out there these days, and I know it's not the majority, but it's a lot of them. To not only talk down to a student like they say they don't understand. These are high school students. Your job is to help them understand. Prepare them for the real world. Not to survive in your loser academic world that doesn't survive in the real world. Hence, you're in academia. We all know those who can't do, especially at the college level, teach. Because if you're teaching at a business school or a law school... It's only one of two things. And typically the best professors at law schools are the ones who are practicing law, right? The associate professors, the one that do courses once in a while. Not the lifelongs that didn't practice or the ones in business school that wrote books that can't reference anything they've done because they've never run a successful business. And go to any history. This is a chance for any of these people to revise things the way they want us to believe them. This is high school, this is grade school, this is college. This is what they want to do. They want to completely reshape what is patriotic. Oh my gosh. If Eastlake is a, this is another quote, if Eastlake is all about including everyone's beliefs and being together as a family, then why are we being told we can't represent the country we live in? I have seen other district schools and football teams 
that held a flag or did some sort of memorial recognition towards 9-11, but apparently we weren't allowed to even wear USA colors. So it sounds like this football game had nothing to say about 9-11 and regulated it so bad you couldn't wear red, white, and blue. This is scary stuff. This is, this is absolutely terrible. Um, one more story on that note. You probably saw this one. It was a little bit bigger news. This is Washington University in St. Louis. Um, student, student senator. So this is like a kid, a college student, has caught, kids caught, yeah, this is the guy I saw. They identified him. I don't know if his name's on here anymore. But this dude removed 2,977 American flags. I saw the video. They were out on a lawn, nicely placed. It took a lot of work. He removed almost 3,000 flags commemorating victims of 9-11 as he stages protests over U.S. wars that have killed 900,000 in the Middle East. I do remember um, his name now. It's Alkani. And you see the video. Alkani asked the camera person, someone with their phone, who are you? And the person didn't answer. They just followed him. And this guy tried to later claim he was just relocating him. All these flags were in a trash bag. He was very deliberately removing them. And he was talking about his protest. Look at the entitlement your average college student has here. They think because they're protesting, they could damage property. They can certainly remove flags. So that happened. We had that going on. One in Washington State, and then this clown at Washington University decides he's going to do something about a 9-11 memorial. Should have had his ass beat. That's the kind of thing these guys needs to get. Right? Someone like me 20 years ago, give him a good thumping, and then standing there with my friends and forcing him to replace the flags. That'd be my protest. Prick. Unbelievable. Now, you got Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State extraordinaire, testifying today in hearings discussing the Afghanistan debacle via Zoom or over video conference while he's three miles away. The building he's in is three miles away. He's getting ripped for that. So this coward didn't have the guts to show up in person to answer questions about Afghanistan. Now, he knew he was going to get torn. He knew. Multiple GOP congressmen at this hearing told him to resign. It was heated. One was Joe Wilson, who blamed the Biden administration for allowing the Taliban to take over Afghanistan and turning it into a, quote, safe haven haven for murderous terrorists. Yeah, they have their own country now. They have $85 billion in our weapons. They have no women in leadership. They have all the women wearing the most extreme interpretation of a burqa, the entire garb, to include that, like, screen door look over the eyes. Well, you can't tell who's under there. That's what they look like if they're in school or out in public now. The new, you know, more lenient Taliban 2.0. What a crock. Wilson also blasted the administration for the crisis at the U.S. southern border, which he said allows individuals on the FBI's terror watch list to enter American neighborhoods as lone wolf suicide bombers to murder as many Americans as possible. That's an extreme statement, but think about it. While we have this porous southern border where people from the Middle East have been caught crossing illegally, we have that in parallel to a new extreme Islamic caliphate, Afghanistan. 
where Al-Qaeda is going to start training again. They already have. Where ISIS is trying to fight them, but they'll probably, people that are foot soldiers in ISIS are going to pick a side. This is that ISIS-K over there. If ISIS-K doesn't start ramping up and getting some damage done, then they're going to have defections and people are going to join Al-Qaeda. I don't see a world where Al-Qaeda and ISIS-K are fighting it out. One's going to win, right? It's going to be like Blu-ray versus something you probably don't remember, which was HD video. You don't remember it because Blu-ray was the format everybody went with. This is absolutely embarrassing. You have somebody who's supposed to be the leader of the State Department, organizations like the CIA, too afraid to testify in person because he's going to hear mean words. And so he does it. This was for the House Foreign Affairs Committee on the Afghanistan withdrawal. He does it remotely, three miles away. That is something I... I, I, Come on, man. (laughs) Get in your armored vehicle. Take a quick trip down the street. Do it in person. If this was an extraordinary success, as Joe Biden called it, why wouldn't you do it in person? Go celebrate your success. Be proud of it, right? I mean, didn't you guys say it was inevitable that what happened happened? So it's not your fault. And didn't you organize and lead the greatest airlift in the history of mankind? Why not go tout that success in person, right? But apparently the remote video conference approach was the approach of the day. <laughs> Biden had one. He was in Boise. He's moving west. So we'll, we'll get to the recall right after this. On his way to Long Beach, where he is like right now, Long Beach, California, Biden stopped in Boise as part of his visit to the western U.S. And his visit in Boise focused on wildfire prevention amid an ongoing drought in the state. Right? I'm sure he, I don't see any references to global warming I haven't seen the feed on this. There's only a 10-second clip on the article I'm looking at where Joe Biden blames the wildfires on drought. Oh, yeah, here, and on climate change. And then he goes into this bizarre story about how he moved to Idaho decades ago. Hello, senile old man randomly going on a tangent and can't stay on topic while he's live from the White House feed. I remember once when I almost moved to Boise, right? Right, Jill? He's looking around. And then he says, not a joke. He said, recounting a story about an interview he had in Boise. (laughs) Everyone watching like, what? So by this time, his staff knows what's happening, right? Either the meds are wearing off or he didn't take them or they're just not working. So he starts going off script. And five seconds later, they cut the feed. That's the President of the United States. They they can't even trust him to do a full White House feed (laughs) to address people from Boise. Now he's in Long Beach and now he's helping with the recall. And uh, let's be real, that's tomorrow. So you, everybody in California should be out casting their vote yes on the recall and hopefully voting for Larry Elder. Problem, if you care about polls at all, and of course polls have had problems, but a lot of them, if you look at 538, and that's very left-leaning, um, they have the kind of an average going of Trafalgar. I mean, Trafalgar, right? That's the guy that has been very accurate. 
He predicted Trump in 2016. The Trafalgar poll, which the 538 gives an A minus, has um, the recall being overturned, meaning Gavin staying 53 to 43. I mean, they call it the keep. So voting to keep or voting no on the recall ranges from a plus 19 to the closest in this deal being a plus 11. That's the Trafalgar group. So if Trafalgar's accurate, it's not going to be close. Now, you read some articles about this. They admit that polling has not captured conservatives well. This same 538 had Iowa and Ohio going to Biden, which Trump won by eight points each. And they had him going big time in Wisconsin, which was less than a point. Let's not get into why that was probably. But you've got polls, not at Berkeley, Berkeley's poll. But Suffolk, Survey USA, 54 to 41 in favor of keeping Newsom. So again, reality matters. This is a big time Democrat who has been popular a long time. Had the recall been, you know, orchestrated randomly on any given day during the COVID time, during the pandemic last year, it might have been pulled off. But Gavin Newsom is truly the Disney villain, right? The handsome and dashing hypocrite that white liberal women will lay down in front of a train for, right? The brainless. They love the guy. All the women that scream about being respected, right? They're just like the women that visit people like Ted Bundy in prison and fawn over a guy who admitted to killing and torturing 30 women to include a 12-year-old. You know, there are thousands of women that wrote him letters send him naked pictures, right? So I just hate to say it, I feel like the same psychology applies to the women who roll to the polls for someone like Gavin Newsom, who's done a terrible job, who is completely sinister, has been recorded saying sinister things and being a hypocrite, and they'll vote to keep him in. Will it be enough? According to these polls, yes, right? That Gavin Newsom will have to watch him celebrating in 24 hours um, because he'll have survived the recall. I mean, it's hard to believe Larry Elder did as good as he did, but if you average these polls, 57.5% keep, 40.8% remove, right? And the problem is it's trending, it's trended up. Last week it was 10%. If it were trending down, even with a Newsom favorable lead, if it were trending towards Elder or towards recalling him, I'd be feeling better. I don't feel good. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not making a prediction. Um, People are going to show up or they're not. Democrats have done well showing up or not. Polls, it is a recall. This isn't a normal election. Who knows, you know, about the people being polled. But Trafalgar having it 53 to 4 to 3 is probably why if you forced me, gun to my head and said, pick, is he going to be recalled or not? I'm going to say he's not if I had to pick. That's, that's all I can say. Um, I, I do appreciate everyone who's fought this, the people who got the signatures done. I think it's been an important part of putting a light on Democrats and the California Democratic Party. Um, there's a lot of positive energy for the Republicans going in tomorrow, and they are certainly unified as best they can be behind Larry Elder. We'll just have to see. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. But... I don't know. I think bringing Biden out, Harris out, and those 
goofballs to campaign for Newsom was just more, actually, I think it might have been more to help Biden and more to help Harris. I think they knew they had it in the bag or think they do for the recall. And so they, oops, the mic there. So they figure they would uh, get out to, get out to California, Biden and Harris and give them some FaceTime. Um, it's a bummer. We all wish and hope this happens. I wish it was a lot closer going in tomorrow, but hey, tomorrow's tomorrow. Let's see what happens. Keep the faith. It has nothing to do. This is California. Don't forget it. So don't let this affect your outlook on what's going to happen in the midterms or the next presidential election. California's a bit wacky and it has been blue, true blue for a long time, unfortunately. And so um, we'll see. I'll do a show tomorrow. I'll probably try to do it later, having some indication of how things went. And then we'll talk about it. And then I'm also preparing a show that I'll do this week um, on current events and things going on. And I'll always talk about headlines in the news. But I want to highlight the difference between tolerance and celebrating. And how we have now, we now live in a world where you're not tolerant if you're not celebrating something. Think about it. I'll, I'll get more into detail on it as we approach that show. And again, as always, I appreciate you listening. God bless you all. Keep the faith. Let's keep some positive vibes. I know I didn't say a lot of good things about the recall, but conservative, conservatives have been missed in polling for a while now. So we got that going for us. Let's keep our fingers crossed and say our prayers, and maybe we'll be celebrating the recall of Gavin Newsom, Newsom on tomorrow's show. Thanks again for listening. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you tomorrow.